Eli. What's up, Liquid Church? How y'all doing? So good. Wow. All right. Well, listen, before we jump in, why don't we welcome all of our campuses that are watching throughout the state of New Jersey. Welcome. We are so happy you guys are here. Those that are watching online as well. It has been a great time as we're kind of wrapping up our series, Simplify, where we've really kind of looked at how can we make some more margin in our lives, because many of us in the new year, we feel overwhelmed, overscheduled, and exhausted. Who's there? Amen? Yeah, there's a couple of us that are still there. And so over the past few weeks, we've looked at how can we start to simplify our lives, to make more space. And so we looked at how we can simplify your schedule right? Start thinning out the calendar so you have more space, more margin, so that you could make time to prioritize relationships. Then we looked at how we can get into simple community, right? We talked about groups. We were talking about uh, seven that's coming up very, very soon. In fact, you know, already we have about 700 people that are in groups. As of last week, we now have 200 more people that are in groups. Isn't that exciting? Can we just give them a hand, our folks that are joining in groups? So good, right? And then Last week, we had financial expert Joe Sangle come here and talk about how you can simplify your money, right, so you can have more of it and use it for the things that God's called you to use it for. And so now we're going to be kind of wrapping everything up by looking at how to simplify your purpose, how to simplify your purpose. And, you know, oftentimes I'll get people come up to me and go, Nathan, I have no idea what my purpose is in life. Uh, what was I born to do? Like, like, how does it all work out? Like, what am I wired for? And, you know, I, I go, I, I don't know, dude. Like, that's, that's a big question. But, you know, I can tell people generally, you know, I really do believe, though, that God has a purpose for your life. And it's bigger than you can ever imagine. And it's going to have an impact. It's the kind of uh, purpose that's history-making and world-changing. And before you kind of write me off and say, well, Nathan, that's kind of grandiose. Like, that's... That's kind of bigger than what I could even think of. It's true, and it's not, don't take my word for it. Take the word of God. In fact, we're going to look at Psalm 139 where it says this. And whatever you see in bold, if you could just say that together with me so we're all on the same page. It says this, for you what? Created my inmost being. You knit me together in my mother's womb. I praise you because I'm what? Fearfully and wonderfully made. Your works are wonderful. I know that full well. My frame Next slide. My frame was not hidden from you when I was made in the secret place. When I was woven together in the depths of the earth, your eyes saw my unformed body. And all the days were what? Ordained for me were written in your book before one of them came to be. See, already what this passage tells us is that we were made with intention. You were made on purpose. You're not an accident. God actually had something in mind for you. And we see that specifically with this word ordained. Say ordained with me. Ordained, right? Weird kind of word, right? But the idea of, the, of ordained means planned out. God has planned out your life. Like, for instance, for many of us, maybe you thought, you know, I don't know if I'd ever want to be a parent, but God had already planned that out. He knew that one day you'd be a dad. One day that you'd be a mom and that you'd love it. Planned out, ordained. And it says every day has actually been already written for us in your book, in his book. And this isn't like a ledger where God's checking off whether you've been bad or good, right? It's like a story. That when we open up the story, we can actually enter into it. And when, if you read a good book or a good story, there's characters and there's a plot. And it takes you on this journey. In the same way, God is, has a role for you to fulfill in his journey, in the story that he's writing. You have a part to play, amen? But isn't it a lot simpler said than done, right? Like, how, how do we actually start to figure this out, decode it, uh, declutter it? How do, how do we start to get into our purpose? 
I mean, over the past couple of weeks, I've had all these different conversations with folks that are really struggling with this purpose question. I talked to a friend of mine. He's in his uh, early 50s, and he's been working at this fast food place for years, flipping burgers, making milkshakes, and we're kind of chatting, and he said, Nathan, I, I feel so frustrated. I go, what's going on? Well, I, I'm in this job, and, and it pays the bills, and it's great, but I'd, I'd rather... I really want to lead worship one day to church. That's, that's really what I'd love to do. But I made all these bad decisions when I was younger. Now I'm stuck. And I really want to do something I'm passionate about. And then almost like right on the heels of that, I, I ran into another friend of mine. He's in the corporate world, right? He is killing it there. He is climbing up the corporate ladder. And, uh, you know, we're having dinner. And I go, so how are things going? Like, uh, what's going on? He goes, well, I made about... Um, $500,000 this quarter. I go, wow, that's, that's amazing. He's like, yeah, it's kind of bored, boring. Can I, can I be bored doing that? Like, what I, I'd be a great way to spend boredom, right? He goes, well, you know, I love what I do. I know it's a calling and it's a job and it pays the bills, but it's not meaningful. I, I kind of wonder, you know, I feel like I'm made for more than this and I just feel kind of stuck. You know, and, you know, it's funny. I was processing that conversation and I ran into another friend of mine. And uh, they had been released from their job, and they were unemployed, and they'd been sending their resumes all over the, all over the country, making phone calls, like, kind of shaking all their contacts, trying to find a new job, but no one was getting back to them. And they said, Nathan, I feel like I'm doing all the things people tell me I'm supposed to do. I'm, doing, I'm looking for, for anything I can get, but I really want to find a job in my field. It seems like no one is calling me back. I'm not really sure what to do next. And I felt bad for them. And then the other day, I was having coffee with a friend of mine. He's a guy in his, in his early 20s, college student over at Rutgers, and we we're chatting. And he's like, you know, Nathan, I'm in this major that I hate, but I don't know what else to do. I'm a junior now, so I feel like I'm kind of locked in. And, you know, I'm failing out of one of my classes because yeah, I just don't care. Because I feel like this, this isn't what I'm supposed to do. This isn't what I'm made for. But because I'm stuck here, I just, I just wish I knew what my purpose was. What's my purpose? I told him, I think your purpose is to grow a sweet beard, right? And he, he, was, he was not comforted by that. Well, he had a nice beard. But, uh, you know, that is, it's not just a question, right? It's the question. What is my purpose? What is my purpose for being here? But, you know, even though that's such a big question that everyone in our culture is asking, it's actually not the most important question we should be asking. There's actually one question before that we need to get clarity on, and that's this. What do we mean by purpose? How do we define purpose? Here's, here's a great definition. It's kind of my own definition here. It says this. Purpose is the role in the story of God for which you were, say this with me, created, chosen, and uniquely wired for. This is purpose. It's the role in the story that God has created you for, chosen you for, and uniquely wired you for. No one else can fulfill your purpose in this world than you. No one else can do what you do, be who you are, and have the impact that you have. No one else can do that. You have a unique role in the story of God that he has for you. And sometimes we think it's just one thing, but really there, there's, there's layers to it. There's a multiplicity to our purpose. You know, in fact, you know, I'll sometimes get someone come up to me and either you know, they know that I'm a pastor or they've seen something online and say, you know, Nathan, I really would love to do what you do. I, I just feel like that's my purpose. And often what I'll say to them is, well, 
listen, my purpose is bigger than that. Like, I'm actually the husband to my wife, Jackie. I'm the father to my two kids. That's part of my purpose. And part of it's I got to empty out the diaper genie because, you know, <laughs> the kid's room smells bad. I go, do you feel called to empty the diaper genie, you know? Uh, the answer is never yes. I just don't know why that is. But, you know, but there's so much to our purpose that sometimes I feel like we get stuck trying to figure this out. But when we know our purpose, when we know the narrative arc of the story, when we start to figure out where God is leading us, we start to kind of move in that direction. And it gives us a sense of meaning and focus and strategy. As we're kind of seeking that out, we start to see how all the pieces fit together. But if you're not sure where to start, it can be kind of frustrating. Amen? So a great place to start, actually, is going back to Psalm 139. Do you guys know who wrote Psalm 139? There's this guy named David. And David was a guy that was driven by purpose. He lived a life of purpose. In fact, when you look at the life of David, David um, was a, one of the greatest kings in the nation of Israel. David was a warrior. He was a brilliant strategist. He wrote large sections of the Psalms. If you ever heard the book of Psalms, he was a poet. He was a poet. He was a warrior. He was a king. In fact, the greatest... Um, accomplishment of his kingship was he actually foreshadowed the coming king, which was King Jesus. David had a purpose. And when people, generations later, would look back on the life of David, this is what they would say about David. This would be on his tombstone. It says this in Acts chapter 13. It says, for when David had served God's purposes in his own generation, he fell asleep. You know what that means? The book's closed. The story's over. He dead. And at his, but that's what he's remembered for. He fulfilled the purposes of his generation. You know, I would love it if on my tombstone, after I died, and they put me in the ground, it says this, here lies Nathan. He fulfilled the purposes in his own generation. And then he got hit by a bus. You know, literally, that would be, that would be great. So, and, uh, but what a great inscription. Like, you fulfilled the purposes. All the days that were ordained and you fulfilled them. Wouldn't that be incredible? But how many of us can say, with any integrity that that's the life I'm living right now. I'm fulfilling my purposes in my generation. How can we start to uncover that and untangle that and, and really live that out on a regular basis? You know, for me, oftentimes we have to look at the lives of other people that seem to live lives of purpose. Maybe there's something, uh, there's a clue or a hint that we can see that they figured out that we can maybe emulate or, or kind of uh, use as a roadmap. And for me, a great example of that is Eric Little. For many of you, how many of you have heard of Eric Little? Okay, a couple of you have. Um, he, he's a, an athlete. He ran in the 1924 Olympics. The movie Chariots of Fire was based on the life of Eric Little. And Eric, uh, again, he was an athlete. He loved it. But not only was Eric an athlete, he was actually also a missionary to China, which means he went to China to go share the good news of Jesus, tell people who had never heard about Jesus, who he was, and salvation. And so he had these two big things in his life, these desires, these missions, but he never saw them as competing with one another. He actually saw them as complementary. They, they worked together. But not everyone saw it that way. In fact, his sister, when she found out that he was going to run in the 1924 Olympics, she confronted him and said, Eric, what are you doing? You are compromising the purpose that God had for you. God has called you to be a missionary. That's the mission, the assignment he's given you for your life. Why are you uh, going after this other thing? It's not who you were made to be. And I loved his response. He said this to his sister. He said, God made me for a purpose, but he also made me fast. And when I run, I also feel his pleasure. You see, for Eric, it wasn't an either or. It was a both and. 
When he ran, he could feel the pleasure of God and the love of God and the smile of God upon him. But he also knew that there was another piece to his purpose, and that was to go to China. You see, for Eric, his calling and his mission, they came together. They flowed together. And when they came together, he found his purpose. It was more than simply uh, going to China. It was more than simply running fast. All those pieces came together to make him a man that lived on purpose. And I think he's a roadmap for us that can help us start to kind of sort through the purpose question. And so let's take a look at how we can do that now. If you notice in your notes, you have a a graphic in there. It's got like um, four interlocking circles. It's a Venn diagram. And um, we're going to kind of use this to kind of help us kind of frame this this, this, uh, purpose question. And uh, as you're kind of getting your notes out here, uh, I'm going to draw four circles here because I'm an amazing artist. So um, I actually had someone else draw them for the good of everybody in this room. But when we're trying to kind of, kind of figure out the purpose question here, there's four questions we can ask to kind of help start to sift through all the other clutter that's around. The first question is this, is what do I love? What do I love? What is it that makes you feel alive, that you enjoy, that kind of refills your bucket like when you feel empty? What is it that you love? The second question is what am I good at? You know, in 1 Corinthians, it says that, you know, we've all been given different gifts, but the same spirit. What is it that you're good at? These can be innate things that take no effort at all, or maybe skills that you've developed over the years that you've kind of sharpened real well. What is it that you're good at? And the third question, sometimes a question we don't often ask, but it's, what will people pay me for? Like, how can I get paid? You know, you got to pay the bills, right? In fact, it says in Romans 4 that we deserve a wage for the work that we do. That's an important aspect of kind of discerning and figuring out our purpose. And then the final question, I think this question also gets overlooked a little bit, is how can I help others? How can I help others? You see, our purpose isn't just for our own selves or our own comfort. Our purpose is actually to serve other people, to serve the world around us. These are four questions that can kind of help us start to sort through some of the issues of purpose in our lives. But if you notice, some of these circles actually overlap, don't they? In fact, when you can start to sift out what you love and what you're good at, this actually is our passion. The things that we both love and that we both are good at, that's our passion. Those are the things that can make us come alive and we can actually have an impact with those things. But when you find out, here's what I'm good at, some skills and gifts I have, and someone's actually going to pay me for this, you know what this is called? A job. We need some of those, right? But what happens when what you get paid for is actually something that you can use to help others, to help the world? Well, one of the things we can call those things is a calling. It's a calling that we have. And finally, where what we love and where we can help others, this is our mission. Our mission. Our assignment that God has given us to accomplish. And when we can start to kind of get a sense of how our, how our passion intersects with our job or our career or our calling and our mission, you know what we hit? This bullseye right here. Go ahead and color this in. This is the bullseye of purpose. This is the sweet spot. This is the flow. This is where it all comes together, the wheelhouse, right? When someone's in the zone, it's because they're living out their purpose. And there's a part of us that's like, oh, that's, that's what I want to be. I want to live all these four pieces together to live on purpose, to live a life of purpose and have the maximum amount of impact that God has made me for. But how do, how do we start to sift through stuff? I want to kind of actually show you how you can use this to help start to kind of figure out some of those things. I want to start with an example of 
me in high school. So in high school, I loved two things. The first thing is I loved playing guitar, and I loved growing my hair like a chia pet. <laughs> Half the fun was watching it grow. I mean, look at this picture here. I've got to share this with you. This is me. Of course, I'm wearing all black because that's cool, and that's what I was. And you, you can't see this here, but this is all hair. This is like, it's not a super thick neck. It's all hair, right? It was literally like down to like my butt. Like it was like the cool thing to do in my mind in high school, right? But literally, like all I did in high school is I played guitar. Like I literally, I would go to school, come home, play guitar, eat dinner, do homework, play guitar, wake up in the morning, play guitar. That was like my life. I loved to play guitar. But was I good at it? I was like high school good, right? Like I could play Enter Sam and like, like that, you know, I was good. Some of you in high school, I know you're better than me, but I'm just saying that's, that was high school good, right? And so, but no one was going to pay me to play the guitar. No one would pay me. In fact, I don't know why I'm telling you this, but here we go. So one time, I'm playing in this coffee shop, right? And so I've got my electric guitar, and I thought it'd be a great idea to do this White Snake song. And if you heard a white snake, you know, here I go again on my own. Okay, you know they're awful, right? Yes, they're terrible. And so I go into this coffee shop, and I got my guitar, you know, coffee shop really laid back. And I'm like playing, you know, whatever white snake song it is. And somewhere in the middle of it, I'm going, this is awful. Like, I don't even like this. And so I, I just walk off stage, and I start to hear... And I realize, you know how I can help the world? I stopped playing guitar. <laughs> so now I just do this. It's just me and Jesus, right? That's, that's how it is. But, you know, when we start to realize that, you know, some of the things that we love, we may not be good at, but yet God has a plan in that. That's, there may be a different thing for that. A great example with my, is my friend Matt. Now, Matt loves video games. He loves YouTube. He's got a YouTube channel called Stervanos, and it's phenomenal stuff. And uh, the thing is that Matt is also good at it, right? He makes these videos. He, like, does these reviews of video games. I'm not a gamer, but, like, he makes them so funny. He's got these skits. And, and I, I'm really, like, in awe of some of the stuff. You could tell that it is clearly his passion. He loves to do it. He lives it out. He does it well. And I know that for Matt, his next challenge is, how can I make this a job? How can I make this some, a profession that someone will actually pay me for? Because when you look at his YouTube channel, thousands of people are liking it, and they're watching it, and he's doing all this great stuff. And I know that's, for him, the next step. So as he's trying to discern his purpose, here's my next step. How can I take my passion and make it into a job, something that someone will give me a paycheck for? But you know what's always a struggle is sometimes our passions, people aren't always going to give us a paycheck for. They're not always going to be a job. Sometimes the things that, we're, that, that are our purpose, we may not get someone to pay for it. And a great example for this is actually the Apostle Paul. How many of you heard of the Apostle Paul? He's written large chunks of the New Testament. And in fact, his calling, his purpose, he knows, is to be an apostle. It says this in 1 Corinthians 1. It says, Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus, by the what? Will of God. He's been called to be an apostle. He knows his purpose. He loves it. He's writing scripture. He's starting churches. He's raising up leaders. Not only does he love it, he's good at it. There's a need for it. Like, the world needs the gospel of Jesus Christ. He's raising up all these churches, and all these great things are happening but he's not getting a paycheck for it. Paul's actually in a different industry getting paid. You know, you know what, where Paul works? Paul works for L.L. Bean. He's a tent maker. That's his job. He goes and he makes tents, and by making tents, he's able to fuel the things that he loves, that he's good at. He's able to fuel his purpose because he's making these tents. We need to understand this, that our purpose is bigger than our job, amen? 
Our purpose is not simply what we do to get a paycheck, but literally our purpose is who God has made us to be. And once we can understand our purpose, once we understand what we've been created for, what we've been chosen for, and how we're uniquely wired, then we can start living that reality out. Because the truth of the matter is, we may not be able to do all of these things all at the same time, right? There's trade-offs. A friend of mine, um, she is now the mother of these four adult kids, great kids, and early on in her life, her and her husband went to actually start up a church. They were, they were planting a church. And she felt like God was telling her that she needed to stay home and take care of her kids to kind of nurture them and care for them, to prepare them for life. And so she kind of took that step back, and her husband kept engaging with this church. He's preaching. He's teaching. He's growing the church. He's getting people in groups. It's, it's getting more and more successful. And there are points when she was at home with her kids where she just felt monotonous. She felt isolated. And she's just kind of wondering, What's the purpose of all this, God? Like, I feel like a part of me just isn't engaging the way I'd like it to. But eventually, her kids got older, they got a little bit more independent, and she was able to have a little bit more time. And she felt God was saying it was okay to, for her to go back and help at the church and serve at the church. And eventually, she felt God called her to get a master's degree, and then she got her PhD. In fact, today she serves as the director of spiritual formation at a local Christian college. And, you know, I was asking her, you know, when you're going back there, you know, do you feel like, you know, what do you feel like God was teaching you? Like when you're taking care of kids and now you're where you are. She goes, you know, I used to think that all those years were wasted. Like, you know, I love my kids and I love my time with them. But I felt like at the time there would be points where I just felt like I was just, uh, there's, you know, why am I doing this? But one of the things I realized was God was using that time to nurture and care for my kids so that he could prepare me to spiritually nurture and care for the next generation of leaders that were coming out of our, our college, the next generation of pastors and teachers and people in the marketplace. You see, for her, what that reminded her is that God doesn't waste any of your experiences. God doesn't waste any of your experiences. Whether it's areas in your life where you have failed areas where you feel stuck, whatever it may be, God is not wasting that. God is not saying, I wish you did something else. No, God is saying, right here, right now, I'm going to use what you're doing, what you're leaning into for something greater so that you can have maximum impact and accomplish the call and the purpose I have for your life. God does not waste any of your experiences. So don't live like he does. Lean in and get the most out of all that he puts before you. If you feel stuck, lean into it. If you feel like it's not aligning, lean into it. God has a plan for you, and he's preparing you right here and right now for that plan, for that purpose. And I think no one had a better understanding of how this works than Prime Minister Winston Churchill. Churchill has done all sorts of things. He was an explorer. He was a soldier. He was a general. He was actually a leader in parliament and was the only, one of the only leaders in the English parliament that actually spoke out against the rise of Adolf Hitler. Everyone else was trying to cozy up to him. And eventually, uh, Churchill became the prime minister of England during World War II. In fact, when he was sworn in, that's when the Germans started bombing Great Britain. And when he looked back on this moment, Churchill says this. He says that, I felt as if I were walking with, what? Destiny. And that all my past life had been put, been but a present preparation for this hour and for this trial. See, Churchill understood that all of his life, every experience that he'd done, his mistakes and failures and his great successes had actually prepared him to fight the Nazis in World War II. 
He knew that this was his moment that he was put on this planet for. And, you know, maybe God's not going to put you on this planet to win World War II or to fight Nazis, but he's got a purpose for you that he's prepping you, priming for. Every experience you have is another link in the chain that's pulling you into your purpose, pulling you into your destiny. And oftentimes we think purpose is this big, grandiose thing. It may be the little things, the little decisions that you decide to move forward. You see, it doesn't have to be epic to make an impact, amen? See, a great example of this is my friend Dana. Dana actually is over at Essex County. Can we give a shout out to Essex County? We love you guys. One church, many locations. It's amazing. And Dana is actually a professional. She works in the corporate world. And, you know, Dana loves lots and lots of things. She's good at lots of things. And she's very, very talented and very gifted. If you ever get a chance to, to meet Dana and chat with her, uh, it'll brighten up your day. She is phenomenal. But there was a point in Dana's life, there's a chapter in her life where she was trying to kind of figure out what is her next step, where is it that she's called to go. And she had these two amazing opportunities that were before her. One could possibly have been the job of her dreams, and the other one was going to be a job that would enable her to fulfill her whole and full purpose that God had for her. Let's watch with Dana as she's processing through this decision. All my life, really been focusing on working in my talents. It was also the reason why I wasn't finding any real lasting joy or peace or real purpose, whether it was in my academic career or my, career, my work career aspirations. I um, went through uh, several months of interviewing at different companies and uh, finally landed two offers that were amazing for two really great companies. Those two offers caused a major conflict for me. Choosing an amazing entertainment company that I was actually a really big fan of. It would be an amazing career opportunity for me. It was an offer that I really felt I, I couldn't turn down, essentially, um, but that I knew would be all-consuming, um, and that would be based in New York, so would be really far away from my family uh, and really far away from the community that I felt led to serve. The second job offer was for Prudential, and it would allow me to work directly in the neighborhood that I lived in and that my kids went to school in. Um, it also was, uh, would be right in New Jersey, where uh, my heart was drawn uh, to serve. The night that I needed to make the decision, um, I was scheduled to uh, volunteer with the relief bus, and it was a completely transformational experience. Just a, seeing how God was giving me the right words and the right ways to connect with people was such a complete, mind-blowing, revelation type of experience that I walked away from it and really understood what I needed to do. Uh, so after that night, I decided to accept the offer from Prudential and um, it's such an amazing proof of how God really understands what He wants for us and how when we choose to walk in the purpose that He set out for us, how everything falls into place the way we wanted it to and beyond anything we really could have ever dreamed of. 
Uh, working at Prudential allows me to be close to my family and provide for them and excel at something that's really fulfilling. But it also allows me to be the outreach coordinator for Essex County, which truly makes sure that I am living my purpose. That's awesome. Can we have Dana a hand? Thank you so much, Dana, for sharing your story with us. But one of the things I loved about Dana's story is she had these two opportunities, and, and most of us, when we were looking at two opportunities, one of the questions is, okay, who's going to pay us the most money, right? Where's the bigger paycheck coming from? But I love that Dana actually paused. She took a step back and said, all right, what's, what's my purpose? What's the bigger picture that God has called me to live out? And as she was kind of praying through that and processing that, she picked the job, the role for this season, for this chapter of her life, where she would be enabled to fulfill her entire purpose, the whole thing, all that God had made her to accomplish. Incredible, incredible. Because only Dana can do the things that only Dana can do, right? Only Dana can be the mom to her kids. Only Dana can be the wife to her husband. Only Dana can have that community presence. No one else can, can re replicate that or replace that. That was what she was chosen and uniquely wired for and created for. She's fulfilling her role in the story that God has for her, and God has expanded that. As she's now the outreach coordinator over at Netley, now she can actually go and reach out to others. It's an incredible, incredible gift that God has given the church through Dana's life and Dana's ministry. Purpose. So much bigger than just simply what we do or what we get paid for. But when all these elements come together, when our passion and our mission and our job and our calling all flow together, that's when we can be who we were made to be. And sometimes before we can accomplish the great things, the history-making things and the world-changing things, God's got to change us right here first. I know some of you are here today and you're in your 20s or your 30s and you're like, dude, I should be running this company. I should be running my division. I don't understand why I have to uh, sit back and, and deal with the stuff that I'm dealing with. You know, I'm getting coffee or, or something along those lines. I should be living out my purpose. See, but the reality is you're probably in chapter two of, of the story. And you want to be in chapter 10. But what God's saying to you is you need to be patient because there's some character I got to develop in you. There's, there's some integrity I got to build deep down inside of you so that when you get to chapter 10, you can carry the weight that I'm about to place on you. I know for some of you, God's asked you to be a stay-at-home mom or a stay-at-home dad, and you said absolutely yes. And thank you for that. Because it's a great, great thing that you're doing for your kids, and they love it. But I know that as much as you love it, you know it's hard, hard work. It can be monotonous. Your days are spent with laundry and kids and cooking and diapers and all these other things. And yet, you know that there's value in it, but it feels monotonous and you feel isolated. You've got no adults to talk to during the day. And maybe you're even thinking, you know, in a couple years, uh, you know, when my kids are older, I want to get back to work, but will anyone hire me? I feel kind of washed up. Can I just encourage you to remind you that that's a lie from the enemy? God is called, is actually telling you this is a season. He's called you into this season right here, right now to invest in your kids and in your family. And he hasn't forgotten you, but he's preparing you for what's coming next. Lean into that. Lean into that. That's the truth. 
I know for some of you, you're thinking, Nathan, I'm just doing a job. I'm making widgets at the widget factory. And soon they're going to get a machine that makes better widgets than I could ever make. I'm not even sure where to start with this purpose stuff. How do I start to figure that out? I want to give you a next step. It's real practical. Uh, you've got in your notes, you've got that, those concentric Olymp- Olymp- circles here, right here. I don't know what to call them, Olympic type circles. The, the circle purpose, purple purpose circle. Anyway, <laughs> you can name it yourself. But, uh, you know, Pastor Tim a couple weeks ago talked about your first 15, right? So when you have your first 15 tomorrow morning, take this out and actually ask God the question God, what's my purpose? actually start to ask him, God, what is it that I love? What what is it that I am good at? What is it that someone would pay me for? How can I help the world, God? Ask him those questions. Do you think that God would actually say no to this prayer? Do you think God would just be like, I'm going to let them wander? No, not at all. God wants you. He's waiting for you to ask. He's waiting to unleash you onto this world. It is a journey. But he has created you, he has chosen you, and he's wired you for it. We have to have the boldness to ask and then to step into the opportunities and the places that he puts you in. Amen? Amen. Would you stand with me? Stand with me. Because I want to pray for you all across our campuses. Let's just stand together. And can we take this posture? Just hold out your arms like this. Because what this symbolizes is that, God, I want to receive something from you, something that I don't have. I want to pray for you. Holy Spirit, would you just come right now? Holy Spirit, would you come? You are the God of miracles. I know for some of us in this room, we wonder if we'll ever live out our purpose. Kind of like what Dana was saying. We feel like that's a miracle. So right now, I just want to break down any lies that the enemy may be infecting in us because you have made us for purpose. You've created, chosen, and uniquely wired us for a role in the story that you're writing. We receive that right now in the name of Jesus. So Father, right now I want to pray for my brothers and sisters. They're in their 20s and 30s and they feel frustrated. They feel like they have all this ambition. They have all this potential and it's untapped. They don't know where to express it, God. I pray, Lord, that you would open up doors for them. I pray that you'd open up uh, opportunities for them, whether it's in the job that they're working at or places where they're uh, serving. Would you open up opportunities so that they can fulfill your God-sized dream for their life? Father, I want to pray, Lord, for those that have said yes to you and they're staying at home with their kids, a stay-at-home mom or stay-at-home dad. Would you right now enrich them, refresh them, re-engage them, bless them? to see the bigger picture of what you're doing, how this season right now, they're investing. They're sowing seeds in a garden that the fruit's not going to come up till much later. Father, I pray for my brothers and sisters who are in the beginning of the story. The story's just starting. And there's so much energy and excitement. God, would you also build into them character, the ability to persevere, and to keep moving forward. And Father, I pray for my brothers and sisters. They're in the messy middle of the story. And maybe they're hitting some roadblocks they never saw coming, roadblocks in health, roadblocks in finances. Whatever it may be, God, would you break those things down in the name of Jesus? Would you impart to them a fresh sense of purpose to push through no matter what 
comes their way. And Father, thank you so much for my brothers and sisters who are in the last few chapters of their story. Thank you for the legacy that they've lived. God, would you empower them to pass that godly legacy to the next generation? You are not done with them. Amen. You are not done with them. I feel like the Lord is saying to some of you, I'm just getting started. It's the fourth quarter and I'm just getting started. Some of you need to receive that right now. Because God's giving you something, but he wants you to get ready to give that away. He's blessing you to bless others. So Father, we ask that you seal what you're doing in our heart right now. We pray breakthrough. Help us to push through to live a life of the purpose that you've made us for. In Jesus' name, amen.